and welcome to the Black and White Podcast, where we seek to filter the gray world around us through God's Word, with radical grace, raw truth, and real hope. I'm Denise Pass, and this month we have been discussing the topic of racism from a biblical point of view. Today we're wrapping up this series with the solution to racism, and with me today is my friend, Tabitha Haynes, who serves on my ministry team. Hey, hey, Tabitha. Hello, Denise. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on again. Oh, loving it. And we started this month talking about this delicate issue, and so it's so apt to finish it with you as well. So we've covered some significant ground this month. If you all have missed any of the episodes, give them a listen. They are chock full of biblical worldview on the issue of racism in our culture. Yes, Denise, we had an incredible two-part interview with Eric Kalinga about reconciliation. Then you interviewed Jenny Elwood about the real issue of racism, which is sin. And then last week, you and Shelly Singh explored the effect and involvement of shame and racism. And you know, it's funny, each episode has its own take on racism, and I, I loved the discussion about shame because... People don't realize that's really what racism is behind it, is a shaming of either a people group. Uh, There can also be pride, right? You know, um, elevating one group above another. But all of these discussions have been so good and so needed. And there, but there's ultimately one core truth that either inhibits racism or cultivates it. Man to man reconciliation will not happen apart from man-to-God reconciliation. To expect unredeemed man to be fair and godly is naive, but we as Christians need to think about the issues in our culture biblically nonetheless. The battles in our culture right now are spiritual battles and need to be dealt with spiritually. Yes, that is so true. The way we do battles should look very different compared to worldly methods. I believe it should look so different, in fact, that it makes people take notice and encourages them to seek where the difference originates, which we know, Denise, is with the Lord. Because when spiritual battles are fought with heavenly perspective, the keys to victory are revealed, and we want the victory. Amen. We need the victory. You know, I think sometimes it's good to think about things biblically, but I think it's also good to be wise enough to understand what is operating in our world, to understand the viewpoints that are out there and what is really working to create this environment of racism or supposed environment. One point I want to bring out in this podcast is that racism is like a hot button that the media waves, airwaves, try to instigate and provoke division. I'm not saying that racism does not exist, but cases of racism are manipulated and exploited for political purposes. And we cannot solve racism in the courtroom. It's really a matter of the heart. You are so right about that one, Denise. It is totally a matter of the heart. But addressing it is difficult because if people are in denial about things or if things are made up or trumped up, no pun intended, (laughs) (laughs) then it can be difficult to really get to the solution because do we really have a problem? And and I believe we do. So bear with me on this. But Mm -hmm. I think we need to be discerning because a lot of times things are hyped up and made into something that they really aren't. 
Truly, prejudice, as we have discussed this month, has its roots in sin. So while this might seem like an oversimplified answer to racism, we thought we would discuss what in our culture, so not looking at it necessarily as a, well, it's still a biblical worldview because we're trying to understand how our culture operates, but what in our culture leads to a prejudiced attitude? We've already discussed the reality of sin instigating racism, and now we want to focus in on what in our culture promotes racism. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, Denise, when you just said the roots are in sin, the Lord just gave me this vision and I saw this tree. And if you can just imagine this tree and the tree was called prejudice and the roots were called sin. And so there was there was this fruit on the tree of what people ate off the prejudice tree, if that makes sense. Wow. And so there's multiple fruit from the prejudice tree. And so one of the fruit is stereotyping. Mm. Stereotyping is something that can become a breeding ground for prejudice attitude. When we speak in generalizations about people or ethnic groups based upon the behavior of some of its members, opinions are formed, spoken out loud, and taken as facts that must be true for the whole group, right? So when prejudice mm. seeps in, we tend to see people either live that stereotype out or fight trying to break free of it. So good. And I love that vision you had of that tree and people just eating the fruit. Kind of like you said, they're taking things as facts and they're ingesting it, if you will, that fruit from that rotten tree with the roots in sin. And, you know, it might even be an economic characterization or other characterization that limits the worth of people groups based on an example from that group that did not represent them well. And another big one is icons. We're all made in the image of God by God, but cultures and subcultures have icons of what we should look like. Popularity and shame are a part of this. The youth rising up can look to movie stars as their icon or their role model, and this can lead to preferences for races as well. Well, that is so true. And you know what? There's also another phenomenon that happens in our culture called group think. And I had to look that up and I wanted to share what that actually meant with you guys. And it's, it's defined as the practice of thinking or making decisions as a group in a way that discourages guys get that this, this kind of thinking and this kind of mentality discourages creativity or individual responsibility. And things can often become dangerous, unhealthy, and out of control very quickly when this happens. Just think about the protests. You know, you get a lot braver when you're all together. Something happens. You can cross boundaries so much quicker when you come together and you go after something together. You can do something very great that way, but the flip of the coin is you can do some really horrible things that way because that group, that group think takes control and you lose that creativity and you lose that individual responsibility. So true. And don't you think, too, even on social media, people can post things because there's not as much accountability, maybe, you know, they can get away with it instead of in person or, as you say, as a group. I think about the Tower of Babel. All the people getting together, they're going to build a tower to heaven. And God's like, I don't think so. (laughs) But, you know, there is this empowerment, if you will, like you said, 
And so that, and part of what contributes to groupthink is people do not test what they hear. We can tend to believe what the culture tells us without questioning whether it is true or examining and thinking for ourselves. And people can get incited, if you will, because someone's saying, look at what this person did. That's racist. You know, that's a term just flippantly thrown out there. You're racist. This is racist. Why not be thinking people instead? Because, you know, I, I remember yeah. even recently um, I was discussing, and I may have shared this on another episode at some point, but I had encountered a transgender and God just put in my heart to reach out to this person. And I was like, how God? And my friend commented on how beautiful his eyelashes were. And that wasn't a tactic I would have taken. And it humbled me and showed me how it just broke down walls, noticing something noteworthy and, and, and praising that. And there was this freedom then to talk. And I think sometimes we can um, just, then then someone call me racist for sharing that story. Okay. I'm just going to put this out there. Uh, and it got back wow. to me. And I thought, what? That isn't even dealing with, ra- what are you talking about? <laughs> See, people can say words racist would have to deal with a race of a person, right? <laughs> so, but yeah. at that time, I, I was able to just dust that right off because I knew obviously that wasn't my heart. My heart was trying to communicate how to love everybody right where they're at with the love of Jesus. But So we can throw these terms out flippantly and that does more harm than good. And we really don't solve the problem by doing that. Accusations aren't going to solve the problem. No, you are so right about that. And I was just thinking how cliques, groups, or gangs are another method where not just racism happens, but exclusion. And it makes me think of you having that conversation with that person where, you know, something is happening in these groups. They, people are set apart and it's something when you feel like you are not included in something, something starts happening in your heart. And so we Mm -hmm. say that really at the heart of racism is exclusion. It's excluding one group or type and accepting another. And what is sad is you see this in the beginnings of early childhood. I remember just playing with my siblings and I'm like, actually, brother, you don't fit in this game. Mm. Me and my sister are going to play. So you need to sit this one out or on the playground where, you know, you're told you just, you're not going to fit with that game or there's not enough room for you or you have pigtails today and it's just not going to work. And there's something that just keeps on happening through your life where this happens. We do it. It's been done to us and we don't even recognize it. But then when it's carried on into adulthood, it brings ramifications that truly have and will affect all of society. So true. It makes me think of the word, uh, words, broken culture, or mm-hmm. just running through my mind when you were saying that. We operate a tor- according to the culture we are raised in. Yes. And what's handed down to us is this broken, fallen culture. And so you have this exclusion uh, and shunning that happens as part of that broken culture, which is really coming from a place of pride. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, any of that excluding is communicating your worth or it's racism, right? Uh, if it's not yeah. racism, uh, it could just be plain old excluding. And I think this is part of the problem. The definition of racism has kind of gotten convoluted. 
Everything is racist, you know, if you think that that's racist, you know, and that gets a little confusing because we can't very effectively deal with a problem if we don't clearly define that problem. Yes. You know, I just think so much of this goes on in ignorance too, and we just don't stop the brokenness because we don't recognize the brokenness. And and this, what you were just talking about, is the very essence of racism. It is the heart of sinful man elevating self or some utopic idea of what a person should be like above others. You and I have discussed being discriminated against ourselves as well. Discrimination does not just affect one race. Uh, and we would not have racism if we were not living in a fallen world. You know, we can't penetrate racism with false claims of racism that just stir the pot. And at the end of the day, we can discuss and examine the cultural factors that are contributing to racism. But if we deal with racism where it is really at, what we really need is repentance and the recognition that racism is ignorance, sinfulness, and immaturity coming from a broken people. Ultimately, the only way, as shared at the beginning of this episode, is for man to first be reconciled to God. This heart change is needed to affect how we treat one another, you know, the golden rule. Now, you and I know this revival is difficult in our fallen world, but nothing is impossible with God. Absolutely. Nothing is impossible with God. And I think that's what happens. I think that's what creates that anger and the hurt and the bitterness and the madness is I think people feel like it's just not going to be possible for this to ever be any different. But God brings a hope. And so the key is turning to Him. That's the first step to seeing revival in anything. I've heard it said that revival is God's glory which is his greatness, his honor, his beauty, his power, and his light made manifest. And if reconciliation brings all that, how could we not want it? Let's go for it. Amen. You know, when you think about different disagreements people can have and the how horrible it feels when you're at odds, reconciliation is a beautiful thing. It doesn't mean that necessarily everyone's going to always be on the same page. You may not roast marshmallows with some people, but hopefully you're not going to block out a whole people group. (laughs) And so this is where reconciliation is a reminder of what Christ did for us. We're reconciled to the God of this universe, even though we deserved damnation, we've been reconciled and not because we deserve it. So our hope is that by revealing some of the ways our culture works against God's biblical culture, that we can recognize and repent when we are tempted to think of ourselves more highly than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And as God's ambassadors, we are called to change the culture. I just truly believe that we are called to it and that we can. I think that's so important. I just want to repeat that, that not only are we called to change culture, but we can. And to break down barriers instead of helping to create them, God willing, we need to be able to lead a generation to unity through God's love, His peace, and His biblical truth. What a beautiful world it would be if we were to be free from man's opinion or definition of man. 
Ultimately, God has already defined us. Friend, if you're listening today, maybe you felt less than because of your race, or maybe you felt less than because of a choice you've made in your life. I know Tabitha and I have both experienced discrimination, whether it was for being a woman, for me, whether it was because I homeschooled or because I was a white girl living out West. You know what? Here's the bottom line. We are defined by God alone And all these external measures, they don't matter. And we can rise above it. Like Tabitha said, we can be culture changers. We can start to to start this path of looking at people as God sees them. May He help us to live out His definition, to love one another as He first loved us. Well, Tabitha, we are coming full circle on our discussion about race. I'm sure there's so much more we could say. We've covered the gambit. I thought I would share just some highlights from our discussions this month. Racism tries to elevate or denigrate whole races, but we can uplift others without fear of losing who we are. You see, we don't have to put down another race to make another race feel better or another person to make another person feel better. And racism is a blood issue, not a social issue. Racism is real, but so is God's grace. When we are tempted to be offended, we can pull the grace card instead. Grace trumps hate. And when we forgive one another, we let grace define us more than race. And I think, Tabitha, you shared this before. We need a louder protest. The gospel is the cure for racism. Woo! Amen. (laughs) Amen. 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 I could say amen until he (laughs) comes again. It's just so true. So true. So, Denise, the raw truth is that man-to-man reconciliation will not happen apart from man-to-God reconciliation. The radical graces, no stereotype or label fits those who are in Christ. And the real hope is one day we will be free from all discrimination. You've been listening to the Black and White Podcast, where we filter life through the Bible and live life in the freedom of truth. 